1: Welcome back, Thursday, December 14th, 2023. Thank you, Mayor Jolovitz, for handling the show yesterday and Mr. Bill and David Dahl and Teresa and everyone else. I'll have more about more to say about all of that shortly. This is important. One of the signature identities of liberalism, classical liberalism, which at base means freedom or liberty, is, of course, tolerance or as the great 20th century jurist Learned Hand put it, the spirit that you are not too sure that you are right. I was thinking about that as I was thinking about all the writing and talking about the elite college president's testimony to Congress last week, including the debate about and over their censure by the House of Representatives yesterday. I take certain pride in being a bit ahead of all these curbs, as Josh Hammer of Newsweek and I wrote, what I still think is the most comprehensive and rational analysis of how speech should and should not work, should and should not be considered, should and should not be protected. We wrote it in The American Mind about a month ago. You can see our piece online, Free Speech, Sense and Sensibility, is what it's titled. But you know, not everyone can read everything or even appreciate and understand, much less assimilate what they do read, or even hold on to it, especially in our frenzied and distracting times. So a few additional thoughts as the blind keep poking at the elephant thinking they have identified the obvious when they have only identified what they sense, and limitedly so given their lack of the sense of sight. Stretching this parable out a little further, I should say The purblind are not just in Washington, D.C. They are here, too, in Arizona, with theoretically intelligent members of our state legislature saying things like they would not want to curb freedom of speech one iota at our universities. Would that include libel? Would that include inducement to fraud? Would that include restrictions of time and place? How about child pornography? Those, after all, are arguably Speech or occasions of it. How about material support for terrorism? That is actually outlawed by state and federal statute, after all, and includes inducing and advising, which is speech. How about calls for genocide? Ronald Reagan signed our adoption of the convention against it in 1988, after all. I think the problem with misunderstanding freedom of speech can be located in understanding speech itself. Our First Amendment very specifically protects it and knew what it was doing in protecting speech. For in the same First Amendment, our founders also very specifically protected the freedom of the press. Pay attention. This is important. Our founders mention in the same First Amendment speech and press. That is not, however, what our courts say the First Amendment protects. Our courts say what is protected is freedom of expression. That's an invention. If expression were to be protected under the guise of freedom of speech, the founders, smart as they were with the English language, would not have found the need to also mention freedom of the press. Freedom of the press would have been implied under the umbrella of expression. But you won't find the word expression In the First Amendment, and for good reason. As the scholar Walter Burns reminds, according to the unabridged Oxford English Dictionary, expression means the act of pressing or squeezing out, to expel or get rid of by force. And that's not really the purpose of speech, is it? The purpose of speech, political speech anyway, and the reason it was protected was to obtain consent or consensus in how we govern in a liberal society, in a free society. To expel or press or squeeze out by force is no more speech than child pornography is. It is expression. It's not speech. But we live in a relativistic age where we not only honor and protect expression, but where, particularly on the college campuses, the highest form of existence is what? Self-expression. Unimpeded, unrestricted self-expression. And nothing could be farther from the attempt to achieve consensus or consent of the governed— than the exquisite honoring and esteeming and elevating of self-expression, which defines itself as not about you, but me. Not about obtaining consensus or creating consensus, but sharing my feelings and emotions as if they carry their own veracity to them. Not about pursuing what may be true, but what is your truth. Self-expression and my truth are in that sense, perhaps in every sense, intimately or inextricably related. That's problem one in understanding all this. Problem two is the redefinition of words themselves. Just as speech became expression, words themselves became redefined. Two years before he published that war is peace and freedom is slavery and ignorance is strength, George Orwell wrote an essay on politics in the English language where he put it that, quote, political speech and writing are largely the defense of the indefensible, Close quote. And so men can be women and women can be men. Speech itself can be violence. Silence, we were once told, could also be violence. Actual violence can be mostly peaceful. Peacefully and patriotically marching can be insurrection. Gender changing is gender affirming. Keeping hands off a body is having clinicians operate in it. And wanting those hands off the body is putting hands on it. Color blindness for or against the right group is racism. And discrimination for or against the right group is anti-racism. Once we accept it, The first of those incongruities, that speech could be violence and that silence could be violence, any coherent ability to understand what speech was, never mind what speech could be regulated, sent us into a bottomless rabbit hole, down, 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 as Lewis Carroll would put it in the original use of that phrase. And remember what is then found once the tumbling of Alice stops. Poison. But while it was poison Alice found in that bottle, it was, and this is crucial, a bottle not marked as poison, simply a bottle that said, drink me. Lewis Carroll, a philosophy professor at Oxford, let us not forget, was on to something for the purpose we are discussing. As in his sequel to Alice in Wonderland, he had Alice meeting Humpty Dumpty, who explained, quote, When I use a word, it means just what I choose it to mean, neither more nor less. Well, the question is, said Alice, whether you can make words mean so many different things. The question is, said Humpty Dumpty, which is to be master. That is all. And that is the question. This is all about power, and per Orwell, of the indefensible. The power can be the self. The power can be an ideology. What it cannot be is consensus based on reason and the true meaning of things or truth at all. As Dan Henninger reminds us in the Wall Street Journal, in the 1960s and 1970s, the scholar of record was the Marxist Herbert Marcuse. Who would instruct, quote, liberating tolerance would mean intolerance against movements from the right and tolerance of movements from the left, close quote. Certain things cannot be said. Certain ideas cannot be expressed. Certain policies cannot be proposed. That was the Herbert Marcuse thesis. Do you see that Orwellian work? liberation of tolerance became intolerance, the opposite of the spirit of liberty, which is not too sure that it is ever right, but rather certainty based on little more than ideology. James Bennett, who was fired from The New York Times for having the temerity to publish an op-ed by Tom Cotton about riots and the Insurrection Act in 2020, wrote recently that, quote, one of the glories of embracing illiberalism is that you are always right about everything and so you are justified in shouting disagreement down close quote and this charlie brown is why we are all so confused about what is speech and what should be protected or not words lose their meaning words stand for the opposite of what they were intended consensus and truth seeking is lost and the worst of things get protected while the best of things get exiled from the public square and pretty soon, even people we think are on our side end up being gatekeepers for Oceana. Our task, however, is as my friend Steve taught me, to make Orwell fiction again. I'm Seth Leibson, six zero two five zero eight zero nine six zero. I'll be right back. Well, welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show six zero two five zero eight zero nine six zero. If you'd like to weigh in on anything or add anything to the show or your thoughts, uh, again, thank you to Mayor Jolovitz for uh, handling the show yesterday. He got some great commentary. But you know what? The nicest did you see? Did you meet with him, Mr. Bill? You know, Mayor. He's a good man, right? Um, <coughs> nicest compliment about all of that was a uh, <coughs> excuse me a a um, text he sent me this morning saying. David Dahl is wonderful to work with. And that was very nice. So thank you, David.
2: That's sweet. Yeah, very nice. It's really nice of him. I I appreciate it. It was great to meet him. It was the first time I've met him. He's special. He's often here on weekends and I'm not.
1: Yeah. He also said you were an anachronism. Has anyone (laughs) ever called you an anachronism?
2: We discussed a song on it. Did you catch any of it yesterday? I
1: I just couldn't. No, I'm sorry. No, it's
2: all right. We discussed an interesting song called The Rain, The Park, and Other Things. Yeah. And he told me an interesting bit of musical trivia. He
1: knows so much, yeah. That the
2: rain at the beginning of that song was produced by an MGM sound man by recording the sound of bacon frying. Oh, okay. Yes. And we also talked about Peter, Paul, and Mary and other songs and he was surprised Another, that i knew what uh, other what, fancy uh, all stuff of these things yes
1: did he call you an anachronism to your face
2: uh yes yes and that was when i said that the current cia director looks a bit like mark felt
1: did you say that
2: well d- during the break
1: does anyone under 30 know who mark felt does anyone under 50 <laughs> know who mark felt is
2: uh, he looks like mark felt with a mustache
1: oh my goodness gracious um May, he said it to your face. I, there's not many people who would want to respond to mayor saying something to them in their face. The guy's pretty pretty built, right? Uh, he's yeah. a, he's well, a former uh, ideas. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What former idea? And, and yeah. former. Yeah, no, you don't want to. You don't want to mess with him uh, physically or intellectually. He's as good as they get. Uh, but I. In my absence yesterday, missed the reprise of your famous holiday party. Goodness well, gracious! Yeah, yes, you, you must, must give us an update. I'm guessing had, Mayor did, did I, not I gave ask you. It.
2: The, I gave you the menu, right? We had the cheeses and the meats. Yeah, we had some some bread with dipping, and um, we enjoyed a luxurious. What did you seasoning. dip bread in? Well, well, it was like a French onion type of dip. There was some Gruyere cheese and Fontina cheese, and caramelized onions and this was we
1: need to do more with fontina cheese that is an underappreciated and underutilized cheese it's the best cheese to melt on lavash
2: this was um brought to us by my good friend tiffany a friend of the show yeah she made it i supplied the baguette and it was easy for dipping i had a bit of uh tabbouleh a little bit of a um that cranberry tart thanks to my friend joe yeah who made that one yeah and uh it was it was nice
1: yeah, that sounds really good. And what was the protein? Various salamis?
2: Various, yes. I had a truffle salami, which was really good. And of lesser value to me was a black wine, or red wine <laughs> salami. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, it well, it darker. sounds like a nice party. Yeah. And what did you serve to drink? wassail? No, no. I, 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 although I, although I have and probably will make an English wassail at some point this year, I just... Served up cocktails and whatever people were feeling like.
1: Now, did I miss a fire drill today? See, I My told you goodness. I was coming in late, yes. and I came in.
2: You came in, and probably nobody was in the building. Well, what,
1: Mister Bill? What did we used to say when I would come in late? I, I, I coming in hot is was the expression. Uh-huh. And you wrote me back fire drill. Yes, <laughs> and I thought you meant it's going to be like a fire drill because oh, I'm be no, no, no. cutting was it so close. There was an actual close. fire drill. We there was an actual fire drill on the streets today. And how did we do?
2: Did we pass? We did very poorly. Our fire captain uh, took today off.
1: I used to be the fire captain.
2: Uh, Yes, I've heard about this. I
1: was defrocked.
2: You were dethroned.
1: I was defrocked and dethroned. I relished the job and took it too seriously and took Rick Roscorla's instruction that I wanted to have regular drills. You know, Rick Roscorla, great hero, uh, great American and British hero. And saved all those employees at Morgan Stanley on 9-11 because of routine evacuation drills that drove them nuts but saved their lives. Unfortunately, not his. It's an amazing story. I almost hate to hate, hate to put it in the light of what I'm doing now. But, uh, you know, the f- five Ps, prior planning prevents poor performance. So when— you know, the unshun regime gave me the opportunity to be fire captain. I got a vest, an orange vest, and I started doing drills. And um, everyone found it so intolerable, they complained and they defrocked me. So I can't be held responsible for any of this. I just can't. I'm glad well, no, you're, you're not mustard. responsible. Okay. Our,
2: our fire captain was not here today. She took the day off.
1: I kind of felt like saying you won't have Liebsen to kick around anymore.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, Nixon came back six years later.
1: So I might.
2: So you got to spend the by year supporting your party's candidates in elections yeah. and helping each other out. I might. And advocating for others in your party. Yeah. Make a good name for yourself. Yeah. And then perhaps in four years we'll come around. Write and, a book uh, or two yeah. maybe. Yeah, okay. write a book or two. <laughs>
1: Campaign for a down-ballot yeah. candidate. Yes, exactly. Argue a case before the Supreme Court. Mm-hmm. Do you know we did? I
2: did. He did as a law firm. That's yeah. right. For a while in '63, Mudge
1: and Nixon was the name of the firm. Mudge, Mudge and Nixon.
2: Huh. Well, what did Mudge do?
1: He was an associate of Richard Nixon's. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh, oh, Mudge was. It wasn't Mudge V. Nixon. Mudge was part of the Nixon law firm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mudge and
1: Nixon was the name of the firm. Yeah, Mudge and Nixon. I, see. I was privileged to work with an attorney of Richard Nixon's uh, when I was in Washington D.C. on um, some of the old disputed Nixon papers. I. Uh,
2: do you know that they're still releasing tapes? Uh,
1: they're not all released by now?
2: No, I just saw something from the Nixon Library, yeah. which our station's friend, Hugh Hewitt, yeah. used to be director of. The
1: founding director of. Yeah, it. yeah,
2: first director of it. That and,
1: and a ghostwriter found for Nixon. A, did you know that? Did you know he was a ghostwriter yes, for Nixon? Yes, I did know that. I Along with me one, me one other him. famous person? Diane Sawyer. Nicely done. Yes, you talked that one. Yes, go on.
2: They found a phone conversation of his between Nixon and Chief... Justice Berger uh-huh. at the time, so this would have in probably 71, uh-huh. and he advocates for very specific age limits for Congress.
1: You know, it's weird that the he president said, would be speaking to the chief justice. That's an oddity in and of itself.
2: Oh, there, there's a lot there. Well, mm-hmm. you know, they were friends at one point, and uh, in fact, there are some tapes where Nixon <laughs> told Berger, hey, if this Cambodia thing doesn't go well, would you like to run in 72?
1: Was he pushing burger to that? Mm-hmm. Oh, I didn't know that.
2: Yeah, he didn't trust Agnew.
1: <laughs> Who would? All right, uh, I see we're getting some calls, so we'll take your calls when we come right back. So the party went well, even yeah, though I wasn't well. able to make
2: it. All well, right. well, you know, like I said, that's to Yomi. Next time, you'll host.
1: Next time, I'll host. <laughs> like I'll be the fire marshal. They'll defrock me. will <laughs> defrock me. Yeah, they'll defrock me. All right, 602-50-89-60. We have callers on hold, and we have room for more. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. 602 960 is the number. And uh, let's go to our callers. Let's go to uh, first Doug, who's in Carefree. I love Carefree. Hi, Doug. Hi, Seth. How uh, are you?
3: I'm doing good, sir. Um, happy holidays. Thank you. You happy too. Happy
1: Yeah, happy Merry Christmas. Um, I'm you, trying sir. to get rid of happy holidays. I don't like the expression. It's weaselly.
3: Uh, neither, do I, neither do I, but I fall into political correctness. Well, it's, don't. Uh,
1: we have a national holiday called Christmas. You can wish someone a Merry Christmas just as you can say Happy Thanksgiving and Happy Independence Day and Happy President's Day.
3: And and, and I, I I accept the admonishment, and I will work. <laughs> if it falls I, I will, apart here,
1: it falls apart everywhere, Doug. <laughs> uh,
3: I'll, 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 I'll work hard on it. Okay. Um, it, this this is going to be kind of a, an odd question. Um, you, you spoke of the First Amendment, and within it is also the petition to redress grievances. Yeah. And I, I I've been curious why the January 6th defendants haven't haven't invoked that as part of their defense you know um they're being charged with u.s code 1512 c3 you know uh disrupting a um an official gathering or something to that effect mm-hmm. which is being you know which trump has rightly gone and challenged with it you know to the uh, appeals court but w- w- why haven't the lawyers of the january 6 defendants Invoke the right to uh, petition and redress grievances. Now, now they didn't petition. They openly, you know, well, they did petition, but they didn't do it in writing. They did it in, in, in voice and physical proximity to the Capitol. But it still has, it's still a, a redress of grievance. Um, and, and the response, the federal response was violence, you know, against them. And so, what are your thoughts? I'm not a lawyer, and I don't play one on TV, nor <laughs> did I stay at a Holiday Inn Express. So.
1: I'm a Holiday Inn Express kind of guy, too. I am, too. Uh, well, a couple things, and let's just work on it backward a little bit. Let's work on it in a chronological order a little bit. Uh, could not Patrice Calours or someone like her have said during the riots of 2020 when laws were being broken and buildings were being entered illegally, that we're doing nothing more than redressing grievances?
3: Well, basically that was their defense. Uh-huh. That because because they were yeah, the Yeah,
1: yeah, 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 right. You know, but did it make and, and, it right? Did and, you agree with it?
3: And white America was the oppressor? Right. Well, no, I mean— it, it, any legal gambit has to has to survive, you know, the give and take, the colloquy, you know, of, 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 of you know, uh, you know, within the courtroom. Yeah. You know, and so just because I, I came up with the idea of using petition and redress of grievances doesn't mean that it will, you know, stand the you know, the, the, the interlocut- of, of, you know, the two, two attorneys. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. It, I just was curious why it wasn't even. Used as as a gambit, you know, in any of these. Well, thoughts. I think
1: I think I think for the very reason that you find in the First Amendment itself. You remember, Chris Cuomo was defending the 2020 riots, saying, "Where in the First Amendment?" Remember that famous line of his? "Where in the First Amendment does it say uh, protests have to be peaceful?" In the First Amendment, the right of the people right. peaceably to assemble and to petition the government for redress of grievances. So, if you violate a statute in your exercise of the First Amendment, you may have a case to argue that the statute is abridged by, uh, excuse me, the statute exceeds its authority because the First Amendment trumps the statute. But if the engagement is non peaceful and, you know, breaching the Capitol when you are not allowed to or not supposed to is almost by near definition non-peaceful, you're not going to have much of an argument. That's the logic logical way to think about it. The very legalistic log- black letter—just one more sentence—the very legalis- legalistic black letter answer to your question is the Supreme Court long ago stopped um, stopped uh, reading the uh, petition for a, gov- for a redress of grievances as separate— and distinct from the right to freedom of speech itself. But the question is, is it peaceful? If it's not peaceful, you're not going to get in the door on a First Amendment claim. It has to be peaceful.
3: Well, I I don't think trespass qualifies as a breach of peace.
1: By definition, it does. Um, By definition, it does. We'll be right back.
3: The tradition of
4: Festivus begins with the airing of grievances. (laughs)
3: Are global leaders developing solutions
1: that promote freedom and quality of life or are they creating problems, enforcing solutions that only benefit the elite? Midas Gold Group believes it's the latter. From draconian COVID restrictions, the decimation of small business and changed election laws, Midas believes your finances will be next under the guise of protecting you. You'll get monetary expansion, national debt, and reduced purchasing power, and their central bank digital currency will virtually eliminate your savings and purchasing privacy. The answer, convert a portion of your savings or IRA to physical gold and silver. Precious metals are a private currency. They've been used to store wealth throughout history. Thousands of you, like Seb Gorka and myself, have trusted the veterans at Midas Gold Group because they're fighting for your financial freedom and privacy. Call Midas Gold Group today at 480-360-3000. That's 480-360-3000. Or check them out online at MidasGoldGroup.com. That's MidasGoldGroup.com. I didn't mean to uh, be peremptory or anything with uh, Doug from Carefree. I just We ran into the uh, commercial break. But... Um, I'll stand by or maybe explicate a little bit further what uh what I what I meant by trespass uh trespass is a physical act. You can't have trespass without physicality. And um and you know a physical act is um is is not the use of words, it's speech. This was of course the argument on behalf of uh those who rioted by BLM I don't think it should have been um excusable this was the this is this is today the argument and has been the argument ever since the 60s when students started taking over college campuses with their sit-ins and takeovers of deans and faculty offices and we had a better understanding of how to deal with them once upon a time uh Ronald Reagan, as governor of California, for example, knew how to deal with them. I'll give you a little audio. If I can find it, and I what
3: think is I to negotiate. negotiate. ...negotiate many times.
0: Negotiate?
3: What is to negotiate?
0: What is... University
3: is a public institution. That's right. But the university... ...its own community and for the community of Berkeley that live around it.
0: All of it
4: began the first time some of you who know better and are old enough to know better let young people think that they had the right to choose the laws they would obey as long as they were doing it in the name of social protest. I'm sick and tired of the argument about whether some effort to enforce law and order is going to escalate anything at all. Plain truth of the matter is this has to stop and it has to stop like the day before yesterday. And it's
0: going to be stopped whatever it takes.
4: I was picked it a few days ago in California by some youngsters that had signs that said make love, not war. Trouble is, they didn't look like they were capable of doing either. <laughs>
1: yeah, that's how you <laughs> what? Yeah, yeah, 1967. Thank you, young David. Did I misstate the year? Let's go to Rick in Phoenix. Hi, Rick.
4: Hi there, Seth. How are you? That was great. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Say, it's so good to talk to you, Thank and you. Uh, I will try to be as succinct as possible. Okay. First of all...
1: But not more succinct. That's an old Einstein line, right? Make things as simple as possible, but not simpler.
4: Oh, yeah. I, I didn't know that, yeah. but that's good to know. Yeah. <laughs> First of all, I want to uh, concur that uh, Mayor Jolovitz... Did a superb job. Yeah, he's good. Uh, he was educational. He was inspirational. He was entertaining. Yeah, and uh, yeah. it was just great.
1: He knows a lot. He was classically educated, of course, by a student of Leo Strauss's. Wouldn't you know? <laughs> I he's my guy. I
2: love that guy. Yeah,
4: yeah. I did not know that, <laughs> yeah. but i i can I can see that. I can understand that. Mm-hmm. He is so intelligent yeah. and has so much. Uh, I mean, he, he, you and he are like uh, mothers from uh, brothers from another. We really mother are. We one. really
1: are. I know. Except if you looked at him standing next to me, he can bench press a Ford one hundred and fifty, and I can bench press myself on a good wow. day.
4: Wow! <laughs> <laughs> but intellectually, I mean, he, he he reminds me of you. You remind me of him. So it was soup. And secondly, in regards to debonair David. Yes, I think he was spot on. Young David, young as he is, is well on his way to being a renaissance man. Is he not one yet? In my opinion,
1: is he not there yet?
4: Well, you know, you gotta you gotta do some real, real accomplishments to get there. So yeah. he, he's got a, he's got a little more to go, I suspect. Well, but- he
1: acts. Excuse me, he acts like. Um, He carries himself and comports himself like it's the 19—well, it vacillates. Sometimes it's the 1950s for young David. Sometimes it's the 1970s. But for him to be a Renaissance man, it'd have to be the 1500s, wouldn't
3: it? I
4: I don't know. Yeah, or the 1400s. uh, What I was thinking of when I said Renaissance man, (laughs) uh, somebody who is— multi multidimensional, yes, multi-talented, yeah, and uh, just knows a lot about a lot.
1: He is that. Yeah, he's a rare, rare, rare 20-something. Yeah, yeah. He so, really is. Great. Okay. 23? 24? What is it, Mr. Bill? Twenty-four. I think just 24. recently he became 24. Yeah, yeah. Did you just become 24, young David?
2: I step out of the room for one minute.
1: Yeah. Well, that'll <laughs> learn you to do that. We're running a show here. I don't know what could be more um, what, what important. How old are you is the question at hand? 24. Yeah, okay. And what did I give you for your
2: birthday? What?
1: <laughs> didn't I give you something?
2: Yes, you, you got me a book from TCM.
1: Oh, I did, didn't
2: I? Yes, it was a book from TCM and one of their older hosts, who I don't think is with them anymore, who used to host Saturdays and Sundays on Film Noir. Yeah. And it, it was a book of drink pairings with movies. Yeah,
1: what could be better? Classic drinks from classic movies. That's what I gave him oh. for his birthday. And he made none of them for his Christmas party.
2: Uh that's because you weren't there.
1: Uh-huh. We live, Rick, you will agree, you're a man of theology and philosophy. We live in a in a in a in a in a period post enlightenment where we can know things without having to see them or witness them, correct? Yes, sir. Yes, yeah. Young David hasn't quite assumed that assimilated yeah. that that lesson yet well you, you can know I, something without experiencing it
4: i commend you for the way you are helping to shape his renaissanceism <laughs> <Okay. Thank you. laughs> i mean Thank you. It, it's it's really great <laughs> the symbiosis is is really great yeah, so
3: he's, he's a treasure
4: i will i'll try to make this uh quick sure and understandable okay your monologue was terrific Thank as you. always Thanks. And it ties right into something i 've been thinking about, and that is uh, and that relates to your uh, the, the article that you and Josh wrote for yep. American Mind, right. which I think just hit uh such a significant and important point that free speech that the purpose of free speech
3: is to pursue
4: the truth yeah
1: we've forgotten that let me take a quick commercial break if you'll bear with me rick i'll give you the oh. uh i'll give you the floor when we come right back to to chase that down a little bit further if you don't mind uh i'm seth Liebson. we'll be right back Portions of this show are brought to you by our good friends at Why refi They have an investment that actually helps people and you. You can earn up to a 10.25% fixed rate of return with Why refi and the investment is not correlated to the Federal Reserve or the stock market. You get a monthly statement with no support. There is no attack on principle. If you ever need your money back, there are absolutely no fees. You can turn your income on or off, compound it, whatever you choose. Tons of flexibility, and it is secure and collateralized. Check them out at investyrefi.com. That's invest, the letter Y, then refy.com, or give them a call at 888-YREFI-24. They're also based here locally. They're on Chauncey Lane in North Phoenix. You can visit with them. I I've been there any number of times. You won't get a sales pitch, and you won't be asked to sign a thing. Rick, thank you for your patience. Go ahead, sir.
4: Oh, yes. uh, you're back to me? Yes,
1: sir, I am.
4: <laughs> sorry about that. Not at all. I, I was listening to the uh, ad. You got so, it. <laughs> sorry. Anyway, thank you, Seth. I appreciate that. What, what I was uh, referring to in your monologue, it has to do, it seems to me, with the use and abuse of language as opposed to the use of language for the purpose of elevating and pursuing truth. Yes uh, you know I, that that article, I would highly recommend it to everyone to read that because y- you guys just did a superb job of expressing. What what it is and why it is so important. Thanks. So, for example, I'm thinking, uh, are you familiar with Russell Russell's conjuncture? No. Uh, it's also called emotive or emotional conjuncture. No, I'm not. Mm-mm. Basically, it is the use of language to try to bias the listener to a viewpoint that you want them to have. Okay. So, for example, an example of that is, uh, I am firm. Mm-hmm. She is obstinate. Mm-hmm. He is a pig-headed fool. Okay. And it seems to me, it, it dawned on me, that one of the reasons that I used to enjoy, uh, who was the newswoman there at KT? Uh, yeah, KKNG? Corey. Yeah, Corey. Yeah, one of the reasons I enjoyed Corey so much is that when she reported the news, she reported it in a way that avoided, uh, you know, lambasting conservatives.
1: Yeah, yeah. And- no, I get it. She, You can call back tomorrow if you want to pursue this a little more. We just ran into the tyranny of the clock here. Here's the key point about the First Amendment. Our founders were not relativists. And the Constitution was designed for certain outcomes. If it wasn't, it wouldn't be a Constitution. Thank you. Thank you, Rick